Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. <laughs> We're here today with a full crew of David. Hello. TJ. Brett. Hi. And me, Chris. Today we're going to be talking about the thing that we watched, which was the Oscars, and then the things we're looking forward to watching, which are things coming out this year, and to Robert, and twins! Joke <laughs> <laughs> never gets old, somehow. We, yeah, so Dave and I have been listening to the No Cat podcast, which is no one can know about this, these, like, comedy writers who are playing through all the Final Fantasy games. Right. And in Final Fantasy IV, there are these two twins, and they talk about how, like, absurd and disgusting that commercial is. And one of them found an article by the guy who, like, brainstormed the idea of the and twins commercial. <laughs> and he, like, he acts like it was a stroke of genius that just, like, fell upon him. It's like, and that's when we knew we had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that man was Harvey Weinstein. I was wondering if we could rhyme friends and twins and, <laughs> and said, you know what, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, so we're going to talk about the Oscars, we're going to talk about Survivor, and then we're going to talk about things coming out this year that we're excited about. So, does someone want to kick it off? Let's talk about the Oscars. Let's talk about how we fucking nailed it. We did. Booyah. Uh, it probably lined up with us, David. You probably have actual actual data, or at least know off the top of your head, but I bet we got pretty closer than we normally get with our what we think should win and what actually Yeah, win. the, the Talkie Talk Awards were... were Pretty good, except for like almost every single acting winner. <laughs> well, that's all. We're, we're never gonna. Yeah. Well, we had Brad Pitt, I thought. But we nailed director. We nailed the uh, picture. Yeah. To to the biggies. I mean, we had a couple. I mean, I feel like we, we were doing moonshots at at some point. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think. I thought we had both supporting actors. I think. Yeah, Dern and Pitt. We and had we, Joaquin. No. no. Uh, we, we had Driver. driver. Mm. We had. Uh, and Scarjo. Parasite for screenplay also. Yep. Uh, there's a tie with Marriage Story for us, but still counts. Yep. Uh, we had Little Women and Taika Waititi won for Jojo Rabbit for adapted screenplay. That's my vote. Yeah, that's mine too. You jokers. I guess Brent may have fucked it up. You did. <laughs> hey, well we had, so it's a tie. We count that one too. <laughs> but uh, the the takeaway you see in all the articles is, is it is the first foreign language or international picture. Well, not first international picture, really. A lot of English pictures that win. I digress. First foreign language <laughs> movie to win Best Picture. So mm-hmm. um, it almost seems like uh, all the rules that are out there are just need a yet in front of them in the last couple years. Like this kind of movie can't win, but really it hasn't won yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's really just like the passion pick is going to win. Yeah, kind of now. That's well. I think. I mean, I think Green Book was just the most the movie that was at least easiest to like. Even if we didn't like it, I think mm-hmm. it was just a, an easy movie for people to watch, and it was like you know, vanilla and you know, just like a popcorn movie. And, and it, was it wasn't like on movie. Netflix. <laughs> and some people said like uh, Roma walked so Parasite could run. I think the big difference is Roma was like an art film to me to be admired, yeah. and Parasite was a fun movie that was also important to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, easier to kind of open your heart and just love the ride of Parasite than it is to do that with Roma. Well, this it's, it's also the same recipe leading into the Oscars that uh, movies like Moonlight took. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, winning the DGAs? Did it win the DGAs? It won... Uh, no. WGA. SAG Ensemble, WGA. It was and nominated for SAG. Moonlight didn't win SAG. It won Writers Guild and... Uh, 
Ace, right? Ace, yeah. 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 Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Everything Sag I saw with the Parasite win was, was that it was the same. That like, year was Hidden Figures, I think, one for SAG. Oh. Well, the big thing that year was La La Land wasn't nominated for SAG. Okay. Which kind of paved the way a little bit for Moonlight to win. I mean, data wise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a good night. I mean, the show was average at best, I think. Yeah. The, Lots of music. I mean, six musical performances, seven. Including, including one completely random, irrelevant one. I mean, it's it's relevant. You have to I mean, narrow down what you're talking about there. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you're talking about Eminem. I am talking yeah, about yeah. Eminem. But and also could have done without the rap recap. That was the worst mm-hmm. musical I like, performance. I like that way better than the Eminem performance. Um, I, mean, I, I just didn't know why Eminem was there. It was the 17-year anniversary of 8 Mile. <laughs> <Everybody>, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a like a, a big deal about him not being there before, and it's a uh, well. I thought you only got one shot. <laughs> I can Apparently, answer, you get two. I can answer the question for you, and it's the same answer as to why was Billie Eilish doing the in memoriam. It's they want young people to watch their show. They want young people to like click on headlines about the Oscars, mm-hmm. and the way they do it is they have people like Eminem perform. That's, they also looked. It. They looked at their list of also songs that were nominated, and they're just like, we may not have a. Viral video here, right? Like, although Cynthia Revo kind of turned in the, I think it was considered the performance of the night among the nominees. Yeah, I it's saw that. I thought it was song. still pretty forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Love I, Cynthia Revo, but you know, I mean, you've also got Elton John performing, but it's like a down Elton John song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of all the best original songs, you don't really have like. A real banger there. And he had Adina Menzel with white people from all over the world <laughs> singing behind her. Yeah. It's like we have all these cultures represented. Finland, Sweden, there's Norway. Some, there's some Asian. All of the all of the non shithole countries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It was weird. I mean I do think the musical performance of the night was probably the opener. Janelle Monae was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty great. I like it when they do that. I like it when they just sing songs about the movies of the year. You know, yeah. that's a sort of an old Oscar tradition when like Robin Williams would come out and sing about like, yeah, yeah, like of all the movies that happened. And... It's the thing I miss about having a host is like you would get Billy Crystal on there and he'd put on this like big number yeah. to open the show, and there was a big number to open the show, but then it was like immediately forgotten. Yeah, like here's Steve Martin, Chris Rock. Right, <laughs> moving on. I also love Janelle Monet, but the crowd was absolutely dead for that. Yeah. Especially like, yeah. you say like, ooh, ooh, and everyone's like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're at a bar, and all of a sudden a band starts playing. Like, oh, I didn't know they had music here. <laughs> that was like the vibe of <laughs> the entire Oscars for that opener. <laughs> they were into the M&M performance, though. There so. were a couple cuts to the crowd where there was like, less than half of the people. Like, like they did one aerial shot, and it looked like... A smattering of applause happening from people yeah. watching it, and it's like, oh, I wish that people knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was a good show, though. Um, and anything? I mean, I love the progression of the parasite win happening. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracking the everyone loving the international, the screenplay we thought was going to happen, but still was you know up for grabs. Yeah. And then the director, there was a nice, if the rest of the Oscars was pretty boring, there was a nice narrative kind of building in the room 
for the progression of awards. Especially watching Bong Joon-ho's promises as to how long he's going to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Getting more and more like every yeah. time he came up. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it was a very telling sign when Parasite won Best International Film when the entire room gave a standing ovation for it. Like, it could have yeah. been, like, any other year, any other foreign film, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Even didn't... last year when Roma, with, like, a well-respected director yeah. in, like, the American acting circle, like, it's right. still crazy. I think a highlight for me may have been Olivia Coleman's presentation was fucking great. <laughs> yeah. So good. Especially, did, didn't she give the award to Joaquin? Yeah. <laughs> Man, those two, if they don't know each other, are going to be fast friends. <laughs> His speech was so good until he started talking about cows, and then he kind of lost the crowd and me for a little while. Yeah, but I feel like that prepared me for the Renee Zellweger speech. Oh, I don't God. even know what that at was. Least, at least Joaquin's, it's Rambled like a... fucking ever. It's like a drunk best man or something. It's like, oh, he's lost it. Oh, he's kind of coming back. Like, oh, he's he's going off. Oh, he, he kind of tied that together. He the, remained weirdly coherent, surprisingly mm-hmm. coherent, given all the directions of his speech. Yeah. That's how mm-hmm. I would describe it. And it, a great, great uh, closer. I thought it was pretty effective. Oh, it, he almost never talks about River. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, uh, but, you know, but pretty you touching. Were, you weren't watching there. with us, but we had just, uh, we were totally ignoring Renee Zellweger and just had running jokes of like, what else could she name to thank? We were like, the 1982 Chicago White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> One point, I think she said firefighters. <laughs> Yeah, like, already, somebody already said firefighters. And she said, <laughs> she said firefighters. I yelled organ grinding monkeys. At one point. <laughs> I thought she was just going to get through everything that has ever entertained anyone through history. <laughs> it was just like the Williams sisters, and it's also like a Billy Joel song, like and yeah. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Thinking Bob Dylan and like her speech is just like, so tone deaf after Walking Phoenixes. Or Walking Phoenix is like. Hey everyone, we need to use this platform as a, a vehicle for change. <laughs> she got it. Was like, no, no, no. Like, no, we're not doing that. These are a few of my favorite yeah. things: Venus Williams, Serena, Serena. She made two Serenas in, in order: Venus uh, Williams, Serena Williams, and Serena, uh, Selena, Bob Dylan. Uh, Deacons won for cinematographer and had in his speech my favorite name that I've heard ever. <laughs> what was it? It was like uh, it was like. Like Bo- like Robert Higgins Biggles. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I heard that and started laughing <laughs> just broke. to myself, like loud, yeah, loud you, you laughter. Broke. People were like, "What are you laughing about?" Like, didn't you hear like Higgins Biggles? <laughs> Jonathan. Oh, okay, Jonathan Higgins Biggles. <laughs> so I looked that that guy up on IMDb uh, as soon as that happened, and he's just John Higgins, which means the Biggles is it's a nickname. Uh, it's little, just yeah. Deacon's personal little pet name for him. What up, Biggles? <laughs> Biggs. Biggs. Higgins Biggles. Bigly Wiggly. But yeah, so it was a fun night. Uh, when are the Oscars next year? I don't know. We should talk about something to transition out of this. They're at least later, so it's going to be a longer run runway. It's <laughs> just a one year test run. Yeah. The fuck. It was reorienting the schedule, and next it just year, made though. this year quick. I don't know really what that means. If nominations are earlier next year and ceremonies at the same time, or it just means ceremony is going to be later, like usual. Next year they're going to try June. <laughs> <laughs> they really should just announce the nominees as soon as they can in the calendar year and then and I know that's a lot of work for the guilds to like watch entries but 
baked into nominations, each guild has their own system that they use to determine nominees. Like, VizFX, they don't watch the, like, 60-some movies that get submitted. They watch these, like, 15 to 20-minute, like, bake-offs that the studios put, put Sizz forward. Sizzles. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see an acting bake-off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> like, perform selections from your movie for the... <laughs> rest of SAG. I would also, and this is completely irrelevant to what we're talking about, I would also love if like with Scarlett Johansson, if she could get nominated for Best Actress for her supporting role and her lead role in Marriage Story as like a, this is the Best Actress of the Year, like film ignorant, like it doesn't matter which but like she was like, Florence Pugh was in oh, right. three movies last year and she acted phenomenally in all three of them here are the movies. She's up for it. Lead actress. Some some critics groups do it. And yeah, I was going to say, there are bodies that do that. Yeah. I think where you get right into trouble is when there's a fantastic performance and a shit performance. Right. You don't want to punish the amazing performance because they were in some shitty movie. Yeah. it. I I get that, but I do want I mean, to punish the great performance if someone also puts forward like shitty work. I mean, I don't only in people like... Uh, i trying to think of somebody who would like... That's not a critically acclaimed actor or actress, you know? And they're just doing their work, and then all of a sudden they're in this great role. Yeah. Like, so, like, I, I guess it does then punish people who are, like, finally turning the shit and putting forward, like, a great performance. I have an example. Uh, Adam Sandler was in Uncut Gems and the uh, Murder Mystery movie for Netflix last year. Yeah, I, I mean, Adam Sandler, yeah. that's a good example. I think about it more of, like, people who don't normally get nominated. It just it seems a little elitist and exclusive okay. to do that. I see that. And, like, I don't want Bradley Cooper to not be in the Avengers. Right. Because he's worried about his campaign. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I also like that. They do that on, like, most Breakthrough Artist Awards. Okay. Or that way. Um, I was just thinking about, like, and this is, like, the Razzies does that. Where right. every nomination they have credits an entire... Like body of work for the year. Well, I would just define it as just positive contributions only. That's maybe what I would just do. Just like if you can pile up multiple good performances, good on you. Yeah. And I don't really hold it against them when it doesn't work. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> it was a good night. Uh, didn't didn't see the uh, the upset in Best Actress. Was really hoping for one. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. Because we can make, we can make fun of her speech all we want, but that was that was pretty. I think that Al kept saying like, "This is the thing that happens when everything goes chalk." It's just like not an interesting show. Well, the next and year, then, and then Parasite kind of defied odds. And next year, we're talking about doing like the Talkie Talk Awards and like having our own categories. And Al had a good one, I thought, which was like, "I should have acting for like original characters and acting for you know adapted characters." Yeah, I was like that's a good idea. Could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, when you don't... You, that was the one thing that we didn't really have was just none of those... We didn't have moments of just... Except for Parasite. We didn't have those moments of just sheer shock. That's fun to see somebody get up on the stage and they're just like, holy shit, I was not Yeah, yes. I mean, We did get it with director and picture, though, so that feels like it bounces out a little bit. But rather have he that. handled it differently. He, I love the way Bogdan right. handles it, which is just like, hey, you keep giving me things. Thank you. But, uh, I love things. <laughs> But, man um, just wants to drink and we keep giving him awards. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, 
yeah, I would have liked to have seen it somewhere. Just uh, it's a, a fun of the Oscars thing because these people, these are the people who have been giving these acceptance speeches at so many awards already. Right. So I mean, they have to make it fresh. They have to come up with something new, or they, you know, a lot of them are not saying the, I guess, given the same speech at every single. And one last thing, I will say, I think a lot of the acceptance speeches were the highlights of the night. Yeah, they were good. The yeah. costume design acceptance speech, like being so personal with Greta Gerwig, was awesome. Mm. And the hair and makeup, like he pretty much only talked about Charlize, uh, yeah, which was awesome. And, and I really Bong Joon Ho calling out Scorsese and Tarantino was like the highlight of the night. For and me. also Sam and uh, and uh, Todd, yeah. <laughs> Although it it felt almost like he was he was unintentionally throwing shade at Todd Phillips when he was just like, yeah, when he mentioned he was like. Make your films personal, and that's you know that's I learned that from Martin Scorsese, and I was just like, oh man, are you yeah. basically laying claim to being the yeah. the person among the nominees who, who you're like my movie was inspired by Scorsese, and your movie was Kings of Comedy, <laughs> not Kings of Comedy. That's a very just different. just one, <laughs> just a single King one of Comedy. One has D.L. Hughley in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and even and even still with the parasites like surprise quote unquote uh it was still kind of just like watching a you know a slow like boulder rolling down the hill yeah like as soon as as soon as things started lining up for it it felt it felt like the only thing that could happen that would surprise us would be then after winning best form at the reception it got after winning like director you know yeah the director after winning the screenplay than them giving it to a movie that wasn't Parasite. I yeah. think that would have been the bigger shocker. It would be, but, I mean, just the non-logic part of my brain when Parasite was announced at the very end is still, like, shocked me that yeah. something good happened. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had Green Book last year. Yeah. And, like, last year was, like, the one of the worst in terms of, like, who won with Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody both doing as well as they did. So, this year, for them to seemingly course correct and give it all to Parasite just felt felt nice I went back and looked and it's uh, and it's probably longer for me because I didn't like Moonlight as much but um, this was the first time the Oscar for Best Picture went to what I thought was the best movie of the year I think since 1993 (laughs) wow because I went back year by year and I was like what's my favorite movie and it's like not it not it not it not it yeah I mean I'm, I'm Moonlight for me, but before that it would be longer because I know I didn't have any Best Picture winners on that list we did when we did that episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the time, I was a big fan of Return of the King. I think maybe softened a little bit on that, but that may be where I was at. It's just so nice this year when people are like, you know, like making small talk and they know that I'm into movies and the Oscars when they're like, well, like, what about what about Parasite? And I can just confidently tell them, like, the best movie of this year won the Oscar for best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels so good to be able to just like, yeah, hand wave those people away who it's are also, like, what's Parasite? It's good not to be embarrassed about a thing that I love so much. Yeah. In terms of the Oscars and the entire process. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really great to course correct that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like if someone was like. Hey, Green Book won Best Picture. How is Green Book? And you kind of have to go. It's it's a it's a good movie. You know, it's it's good. This time you can be like, yes, well, Parasite fucking rules. Although you know, with Green Book, the the weird thing about Green Book is it's like the people who and, and I hate to make generalizations. There are there are people who like 
really challenging movies that just don't know where to find them. So I don't want to, you know, make everyone sound like what I'm about to. But generally, the the people who don't who aren't as aware of movies like these that are nominated for the Oscars, they're gonna like Green Book. I think. Yeah. That's going to be... It's not a very challenging movie. It kind of sticks to a formula that we've seen in movies before. It's a crowd-pleaser movie. Yeah. So, I think last year was the year probably I would have been most likely if people were just like, would I like Green Book? To just say, like, yeah. Because if you don't know if you'd like Green Book, you'd probably like Green Book. Yeah. I mean, and, and 1917 is truly that movie this year of those movies nominated for Best Picture. That or Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah. Like... So once you get beyond those picks, you're right. It is like some more challenging uh, movies. Like I was out at dinner last night with a group of people who I'm not super close with, and they were like, "We're gonna watch Jojo Rabbit tonight." Like, like what does everyone think of Jojo Rabbit? And it's like that's a hard movie to really get behind, like whole cloth, because it's like you know, Taika Waititi's humor is so. The difference between his like laugh out loud jokes and his subtle humor are like pretty intense. That's also like the the movie of this where it's just like you could have any reaction to that movie and it would not surprise me. If you told me you hated that movie, I'd be like, I get totally it. Makes sense. I get it. I can see why you would hate that. If you love it, if it's your favorite movie of the year, I get it. Yep. So, didn't my cousin Vinny come out in the same year? <laughs> Ninety one. Okay. I'm just saying Schindler's List isn't in your talking talk list for any year as your favorite film. So I was curious. It's because you saw it recently. I've never seen it until uh, okay, cool. like a, a year ago. Um, <laughs> I was wondering when you guys were so furiously I was just looking because I was curious if like any of us had Best Picture winners yeah. on that list and there aren't any. Um, I'm sure, what, what was my 93 pick? Was it the Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park before yeah. that? Yeah. And I mean, I love. I probably love Jurassic Park more, but Schindler's List was is I would say a better movie. Well, you would be wrong. <laughs> um, At some point, I remember having it like an argument with TJ about like, <laughs> like if about whether we were picking for I think it was the Talkie Talk Awards whether we were picking the best movie or your favorite movie, and you kept being like, "What's the difference?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like. It's like, if I pick something as my favorite, then I think it's the best. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, good point. Especially with Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I see what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> that's, I love these chairs. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a, the, the bucket fart uh, in the chair. Rapid change of topic. Survivor's back. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're leaving, leaving that, that outburst is going to be. <laughs> no, we're leaving that in for sure. It sounds like you're doing we're a real podcast. Two hundred and fifty episodes later, we figured it all out. <laughs> seamless. <laughs> the thing that makes it seamless is when you point out the lack of seams. <laughs> I just got I got pointed at so. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Uh, Survivor is back. And how many seasons have I watched now, Brent? Like seven? I mean, you've watched them you, all. You, the first season you watched, I think, was Kurong, which was season 32. It's the only first episode that I've ever really, really enjoyed as an episode of television. Uh, what do you think about it, Brent, as somebody who's seen every season? Yeah. Uh, Might have been my favorite first episode yeah. ever. I mean, it's just... 
it's this season so far i mean through only one episode is everything i dreamed it could be it was phenomenal right it was just everyone is there to play yeah there's no like patsies who are like easy outs and also everyone's playing really carefully and there's no nobody's just like i'm here for good tv they're like i'm here for two million dollars right yeah, and I think a lot of them, too, are there to beat the best. Like, they have that in their mind, you know what I mean? This is their one chance to, like, get that. Crowd. The Survivor community is, like, super tight-knit. I mean, I think there's probably two people on the season who aren't, like, active members. Uh, Yule and... Sophia. Um, I think Sophia is. I've heard her on, like, podcast interviews. Sophie. Uh, yeah, Sophie. And Sophie is. She's, she's, she does a lot of Rob's podcasts. But the, uh, okay, so she's lying to Yule then? <laughs> Because yeah. when you she doesn't know she people, doesn't fit in, right? And she may not go to a lot of this this stuff, yeah. um, To like but the function. The other guy though is the guy I can't remember is Ethan. I think is not like super into going to a lot of the benefits and shit. Well, yeah, Ethan, Ethan's really busy. Yule is probably the most disconnected. Because um, he's the what like head of security for Facebook. He was until <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, like two years ago. Yule is also he had my favorite move of the entire episode too. Of he's the one who brings forward the poker conspiracy, the, the bullshit poker lines. That it's so fucking great. It's, it's amazing. Like, all you guys talk to each other like it's a community, and this one thing from like I don't know how long ago. It's it a was, year, a year like, before they went to the fifteen the seconds. Play. Like this is his his homework. Fifteen seconds of this thing you saw probably only on YouTube, <clears throat> like maybe like not a ton of links to it, and like that is the crux of. That entire tribal council. Yeah, yeah. I think there were only two pairs that really needed to be broken up, and they broke up both of them in that first episode. Yep. Um, Rob and Amber, the actual power couple, and the one where, like, Natalie called Jeremy, like, he's not blood, but it might as well be. Yeah, Yeah. her her entire winning arc was about avenging the loss of Jeremy in that season. So, it's, they're, like, really close friends. And then Jeremy came back and won the second chances. Yeah. Right. They're really close friends outside the game, and they're also they're people who tend to be loyal in the game. So, like, you don't worry about Rob and Tyson being buddies that much or Rob outside and the game. Poverty, yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna cut each other's throats. Poverty, it's it's a little surprising that she's back because she was uh, involved with she at one point hosted the Survivor After Show on on YouTube, and so she's had some you know association with production at some point in the past. Right. So there was some surprise on that front, but. Anyway, it's uh, it was so much fun. It was first off, the way they all came to that uh, little sandbar, sandbar, yeah. and Propes was just so excited, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. I think Al said he got tears when uh, the guys walked up. Yeah. It was just like saw all these guys because you do if you're familiar with all these players, you look at them, and you're just like, oh my god, who's gonna lose? Like not, right. not who's gonna win, but like these people aren't bad survivor players they're all great i think my favorite part is maybe nobody wanted to throw out the name i read about that after the fact there's like a um i forget what media source it is but there's like um there there is a news outlet who was present at the tribal council and or who saw like an uh like the raw footage and they were like, it, the whole tribal council was like an hour and a half long, and that was the main story behind it. When Rob's tribe went, is literally no one was saying any names at all. Like the yeah. whole tribal council, no one said anyone's name. So like we got the little clip of like Rob or Ben saying like no one's saying names, and this is crazy. 
But it was an hour and a half, and not a single name was said. Right. I think it's Entertainment Weekly. Dalton okay. Dalton Ross has a a lot of coverage on Survivor, and he's uh, I think he was there for like the first three days. Okay. Um, but speaking of Ben, though, my MVP for most entertaining castaway so far has been been out of nowhere too. It was not that entertaining in his season. Right. Um, not not until he started with the with the uh, the bomb stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, not the PTSD bomb stuff, but like the when he, the tribal council bombs. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, when he just gets diarrhea of the mouth in front of Rob, it is the funniest thing I've seen. Great editing with him in the he's confessionals. Like, you see him on Survivor, then he's in front of you, and you say, "I'll tell you what you want." <laughs> <laughs> Which also speaks to the sort of the magic of like Rob and Parvati and, oh and Sandra. We saw them do what they do. Rob talking to was it Danny? <laughs> yeah, who was just like. Do you throw my name out? And she's like, well, yeah, throw everybody's name out. And he was like, glad you're honest. You don't have to go home now. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. He really, he really does have a very godfather quality about him. Well, I, was, I told Brent that. And he was like, yeah, I mean, people have called him the Rob Father. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like sense. every conversation with him is the test of the Island of the Idols thing. <laughs> what was like, great was Danny's you're like. You're right. You, you, get the, uh, you get the immunity. <laughs> you answer correctly. <laughs> Uh, Danny's like looking for Leaf and he was like cool you get to work with me now and not go home if you lied to me you were going to have to go home and he she's walks like oh away. thank god he walks away and she's like I guess I'm in an alliance with Tom now <laughs> my main target <laughs> didn't seem to be up, up for choice <laughs> and I love that moment where he and Parv are sitting there on the beach and they're just like what is it weird that they're not trying to get us out is it weird that we're not the targets I feel like we should be the targets <laughs> yeah yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> when they're when they were like I feel like Everyone is stupid for not voting for us. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And I mean, that that would be... I would love to say not being there and not knowing everyone's game and everyone's like long-term strategy. I would love to say that what they should be doing is... But what they should be doing is getting rid of Rob immediately. I think everybody is so focused on not going home right now. Yeah. That they don't want to risk that by because getting... It, I don't want to be the one to get rid of Rob because I might go home. I don't want to be the one who takes a shot at Rob and doesn't get him. Yeah, because then you're especially fucked. when you know that there's an extinction, uh, edge of extinction, yeah, uh, factor where there's a good chance that if you do vote Rob out, he can come back. Right. I think there's there is a reasonable uh, reason to keep Rob around for now, and that is, um, in in a game the biggest with, meat shield of all time. Well, in a game with so much like. There, it seems like there's a lot of voting volatility in this game, in particular, which is like there's no obvious target, which means sure. it could be you, like literally every time. Right. Yeah. So, the maybe the best strategy is avoid tribal council. Period. And Rob is challenge is, beast is a challenge beast, and he's yeah. a guy who's willing, who's you know might kill himself on the tribe on the uh, challenge field. Literally, at some point. I mean, literally just threw like four or five people over that log. Yeah. Yeah. And then the more impressive than him throwing the people over was when he got over himself last. Because I was looking at it, I was like, there's no way in hell I can do that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pull me, pull me, pull me. But you can see yeah. like the veins on his arms where he was just like, I'm not letting go of whoever that was, Jeremy or whoever. Yeah. yeah. He was just like, there's no way I'm letting go. Uh, <laughs> man, and and Jeremy Buckets with that fucking... Three four. for three? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. God. And, and, and I was like, I was reading, I guess it was the, the guy you're talking about at uh, Entertainment Weekly. It's like... That was not an edit. That was three up, three down. Yeah, Cass was made two like good uh, like observations while we were watching that I hadn't thought of yet. But she was like, "I didn't think about it, but everybody on this cast is super likable." 
Yeah. I was like, that makes sense. You got to be somewhat likable to win. Mm-hmm. And but, also, she, and then when Jeremy went three for three, she was like, oh, they're also, like, most of them are going to be really good at challenges. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this first episode did give rise to, uh, thankfully, my favorite alliance, having only watched the last five seasons. Uh, but with Nick and Wendell and Yule and Sophie, yeah. it's just like, that is a fantastic alliance for someone like me to watch. Yeah. It's great. And when Yule figured it out, he was like, oh, yes, when I thought that, I thought it was going to be a disadvantage that we didn't know anybody, but I see now it's an advantage. He was like, this is working out great. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Yule's always, he's, he's a good narrator for his own, like, strategy. So he's he's really good at just talking to the camera about, you know what he's doing, explaining thinking. what's happening on the island yeah. as it goes. The way that he broke down his tribe's three like real or not real alliances that you've got the game changers trio, and then you've got the poker alliance, and then you've got the four like outcasts basically. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was that was a very judicious way to split it up for them, where they can make themselves a controlling majority now. Uh, and I just I don't know. I, I really I really like the way that his brain works. Also, I, I need, like, as a, someone who got in not that long ago, I need someone like him to help kind of break it down. Yeah. yeah. You need to be, what, Nick to, or he's Nick to your Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I love that development. Adam. Too. Adam, that's right. Where Ben, they were like, like so we're going to vote out Adam? And Adam, Ben was just like, no, 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 I need Adam to tell me what everybody's thinking. <laughs> yeah. Adam. You can tell, you can see him processing that. It's, weirdly enough, Ben, ben is... Failing wildly in those moments, those small moments, but his strategy going in is pretty sound, which is just like, uh, find myself a super fan, because <laughs> I'm clearly not as smart as Adam, right. and let Adam buddy up with Adam and have Adam tell me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, really loved Ethan's uh, one uh, confessional, too, and he's, because Ethan's, uh, he won season three, and then he played season eight and lost uh, an all-star season. And then, uh, so it's been, I mean, what is that? That's 16 years since he's played Survivor. And back then it was no idols. No idols. You yeah. just you just formed a good alliance and you were loyal. And <laughs> yeah. that was how you won. The one thing I do need, the only beef with the episode, it's really like for the rest of the season, I hope there's like a moratorium or everyone gets stable. Like for me to keep hearing how fast the game is. Oh, yeah. And it's not like it used to be. It's like I need us to put that in the rear view eventually. Yeah. yeah. But even like every tribal is like, it goes so fast. It's, you know, this is not like, like how I used to play. Well, now that it's Jeff- so fast and it's not how I played. Well, the good thing about having both tribes hit council in episode one is Jeff has said all the introductory shit he's needed to say. So hopefully we can. Good thing about two hour up too. Yeah, just yeah. In general. Yeah, I, I really, I really do think that that marks what ends up being a rough like pre-merge season for me. Is if there is one tribe that just dominates so hard, it's boring TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and bad for the show because I don't know anything about half the people at the merge. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do love the story of, I think, not Debbie, what's what's the person who Denise? Went, Denise. With Adam? Uh, well, no, it sucks for them. That's an unfortunate situation. But her previous season, I love the story oh, yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. That it was like her and Malcolm, and like they just got willed down to the final mm-hmm. two, and then somehow people let them stay together until the finale. Mm-hmm. Denise, <laughs> like, Denise. so the second tribal council of this first episode was the first time Denise has ever not attended a tribal council <laughs> while playing Survivor. Oh, wow. She went to every... She's the only person to ever go to every tribal of a season. And win. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and then, of course, she goes to the first one this year. It's just, uh, there's that point where she's just like, it's happening again? <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. We have the same color as I did last time. There's people are, are uh, superstitious about tribe colors in Survivor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like orange tribes have like all our tribes that get decimated a lot. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> so easy to see for predators. It's logical. <laughs> yeah. So good app. Um, Looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah. My, my preseason pick was Tyson, and things aren't looking great. But at the same time, things are looking almost equally not great and great for everyone. Mine was Jeremy, who the first episode of Survivor I ever watched was the finale when he won. Um, and not looking great for him either. <laughs> Lost his best friend. Okay. And like I said, my way too early just favorite person to listen to is Yule. Oh, <laughs> oh Yule's, yeah. There was nobody I was more excited to watch play again than Yule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and my, somebody who knew nothing about Yule, except for the little videos that Brent shared on the Facebook groups. Uh, when I, as soon as Yule talked, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, get I get it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and my, my preseason pick is Sophie, just because I loved her, the little video that Brent shared, just like the way that she's so honest and kind of rude to people, yeah. and then when she's called out for being rude, she's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I am rude, and that's it, like no apology, so she's she's my pick, just oh. because she's a lot of fun to watch. Her season two is just like... It's like what's the what's the most definitive thing I could say about Sophie, and it's she does not suffer fools easily. Yeah. So Sophie, for your survivor challenge, you've been put on an island with fools. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but fools. Yeah. The, Good luck. You shared the uh, the the Peridium videos. It's Peridium, right? Yeah. Um, Sounds very close to something else. <laughs> when I first googled it, I was like Perineum, and it's like, wait, no, I know what that word means. It's something different. Oh. Um, <laughs> It was funny, uh, him talking about her season, and he was just, like, very, very much lauded her ability to, like, basically, she told everyone, like, hey, I'm a snake, I'm gonna go hide in this tall grass, but, like, just know I'm here and I'll work with you. And they were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, like, just her ability to manage lunatics, uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah. And funny, it's funny, there is a... Um, a roundtable that, uh, or a uh, panel discussion the, at the uh, premiere. So they had a Hollywood premiere yeah. on Monday, and uh, it was like eight of the castaways showed up and propsed. And uh, Sophie was one of them, and she, they were talking about what what's one of the challenges for you that you were expecting coming into the season. She said, "Well, it's it's I don't know how to win against these types of players." She said. I got to sit next to a lunatic at my final <laughs> tribal, and everyone else on the stage just is like, like nervous chuckling while she's because she sat next to Coach, and that's. I mean, he thinks he's a samurai. He, he wrote one book. What was it called? I don't know. It was like Adventures in South America of a Dragon Slayer. <laughs> what he calls himself the Dragon Slayer and Coach, and also. Uh, um, is actually a coach, though. Don't yes. think he was ever actually a dragon slayer. Right. Um, <laughs> Two truths and a lie. <laughs> He's a conductor. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a composer. I'm a, I'm a college soccer coach, and I'm a dragon slayer. <laughs> All he's is Midnight Toker. He's got a Steve Miller band song. So, yeah, she got to sit next to him. It's going to be a lot harder not being able to sit next to him. And but, I liked her confessional where she was talking about Yule. She's like, 
on my season, I was the smartest person. This season, I'm not. So I found the smartest person, <laughs> and now I'm working with him. I have a smart meat shield. <laughs> yeah. Smart person meat shield. I also just love seeing more Wendell. That guy's just like, oh, the he's coolest great. guy to be Wendell's around. Great. He's all like, I didn't want to be the guy building everything. Everyone's like, Wendell, you can do this. He's like, yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Built a badass shelter, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also man. just, it's the small things. I appreciate no one is the lazy, uh, who's the Indian lady from last season? I already forgot. Uh, 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 Krishna. Krishma. Uh, Krishma. Krishma. Yeah. There's no Krishma, so they're all pitching in and helping, and when people get food, they're like, oh, that's great, instead of like, oh, this guy's a threat. Yeah, well, I think, too, that this season, there's probably not a lot of that, right? Like, yeah. if you build a shelter, you're not going to be like, we got to watch out for him. He's the guy who can build a shelter. Yeah. Like, they're not doing that this season. Well, or Tyson <laughs> makes fire, and it's like, oh, that's great, we have fire. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tyson. It's like, Good we job. can all make fire, right? <laughs> Except they are saying that, but they're saying that about every person who walks by. And it's like, hey, that's the shelter builder. Hey, that's the guy who won that threat, season. Threat, that's threat, the person who won that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I am I actually might have Wendell now as my winner pick after an, after the first episode. I think he's in a really good spot. I think mm-hmm. nobody, you don't hear a lot of people focusing on him. He's still under the radar. He's gonna, despite playing an under the radar game and winning, <laughs> he's they're still putting him under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting also with recent winners that like Nick is trying to play a similar game as Wendell right now, but Nick is like one of the top targets, which is crazy to me because I don't understand how you look at Nick and you go, "Oh, we definitely need to get rid of him." I think a lot of it is just he won a season with amazing players, which right. could be you know either way. It could be a someone also said like they they'd be targeting recent winners. I don't, I don't know why that would I, be the strategy because they f- don't know as much about them or. I They're think it's more because they know more the about current, the current game. The current rules. It, it's they, These are people who have shown proficiency for running around finding advantages and playing advantages. And, and navigated and, like an extinction, extinction island or the yeah. second life element. Yeah. yeah. They've basically, they have, and, and I think a lot of people's early target was Sarah Lucina too. And yeah. so good on her for, for laying low for the first three days. We barely saw Sarah. Yeah. Yes. Is that in Officer this... Sarah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, she has she has an interesting like uh, uh, like alliance of enemies with Sandra and Tony. It's Tony, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like these are two people who yes they were all in game changers together, but the three of them also all targeted each other on that season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, Tony was also out first on game changers. She and Tony played have played both every season they've played has been with each other so their original season was Tony's yeah. winning season Tony and Game Changers I think it was right before y'all started watching was, that was the season we started okay but Tony gets on the gets to camp the first like episode and it's just like I'm gonna find out and just runs off he <laughs> literally like, he yells like, it yeah. he, he literally ran off going yee <laughs> <laughs> him off and he was like yeah at <laughs> one point it's like okay you guys have fun I'm gonna go to the final yeah. <laughs> it's just like runs off sprints into the woods <laughs> Um, Tony was like one. it was really funny watching Tony this episode because he had a stated mission coming in he was like okay I realized that I can't do what I did in Game Changers <laughs> so I have to be more calm and be around and also let everybody know how calm I'm being <laughs> yes <laughs> remember when I was running all over the place oh yeah hold me back <laughs> So for then for his, called Tony for his name to come up when Sandra comes back and she's like now they're talking about you Tony you can just see it click he's just like wait I've been on my best behavior and I'm still getting the target oh no no I'm just gonna run around it's like well, also apparently uh, the the Entertainment Weekly person was saying that like although the edit showed a calm Tony 
by the end of the second day, he was running out into the woods. He's going to do it for 48 hours. Yeah. That's a, his that's whole, like, that. lowering the guard thing, he's, like, already swinging. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, I just, I, I'm looking forward to everything, every episode. Yeah. Steve, looking forward to what we're doing this year. We've amassed some lists. Uh, with Oscars in their rear view, uh, we are looking forward to 2020 and to see what uh, media the year has to offer. And uh, I feel like we've we've elected TJ as TV marshal, uh, movie. movie marshal, David as TV marshal, and I'll be games marshal. Ahoy, ahoy. And uh, Brent is just marshal marshal. I'm just reacting. Yeah. It's just going to be a lot of like... TJ listing stuff and Brent going, oh, cool. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I made a list of movies uh, that at least looked interesting to me. I'm sure uh, left some off, and I'm sure there's someone here that will fizzle into nothing. But uh, try to do it in order of release date as best I could uh, now. And in um, case anyone gets butthurt or anything, you did stuff that was just confirmed 2020. Right? I've got a couple, uh, there are a couple of movies that don't have release dates yet, but are okay. projected to be in the Oscar season. Um, hello Zula. Zula came to the podcast. Yeah, so, so don't get butt hurt about it. Yeah, you butt hurt. You got um, hurt butt. So I guess starting off like next weekend as this uh, podcast is coming. Uh, Lee Wanell was the director of Upgrade, which got pretty good reviews last year or two years ago. Um, he's the one that's doing the Invisible Man. Oh yeah, that's coming out. Cut a trailer for that. that yeah, looks it's really like, Elizabeth Moss, more freaky. like horror, and I think uh, like a mystery. Of if it's going to be like paranormal or an invisible man. Yeah. Um, or both, I guess. Yeah, I think the plot of it is essentially like her husband dies and then all of a sudden like he's back. Or she thinks he's back. Like just basically... Kind of like an insane yeah. storyline a little bit there. Almost like haunting her. But it looks good. So is it going to be part of the... Are they are they trying to sneakily do the universal dark universe? No. Nothing like that invisible man. This is not. This is not the... What was it like the Dooku? The the doo doo Dooku. I don't know. So it was, it was the like dark universal oh. cinematic uh, universe. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Not, With the, not Count Dooku. The Tom Cruise movie tried to start it and yeah. they killed it. Yeah, <laughs> one go. <laughs> Turns out the Dooku was Dooku. Uh, Pixar has got a pair of movies coming out this year. Um, the first one is Onward, which we've been seeing trailers for for a while now. Yeah. It's the uh, fantasy set in the real world kind of looking movie. Uh, Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, the main voice work there. Dan Scanlon is directing it. His only directorial uh, film before this was Monsters University. So, not one of the best Pixar movies. Yeah, um, I'm getting weird. Like, this, this feels really dreams worky and like shrek yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a Pixar touch or twist to it that makes it a little more charming than that. It won't be awful, but I don't think it's going to be great, is my, my vibe. What's the other one? Uh, we'll get there in a minute. Okay. I don't want to skip ahead on my list because I'll forget where I'm at. Almost at. <laughs> uh, Foreshadowing. Really, the first movie that I'm super excited about, uh, The Hunt, is finally coming out. Um, it's Craig Zobel is a director. I think his best reviewed movie that I found was Z for Zachariah, which I haven't seen, but I've heard pretty good things about. Um, but it's the Betty Gilpin movie, the where they're people are getting released in like the woods and being hunted by liberal elites. It was yes. tagged as like elites versus deplorables. This has been pulled. This was a, at one point shelved, right? Like the marketing campaign that has come out now is fucking genius. Uh, all the posters now have like the release date September 25th and it's like crossed out in big like red X. And it's like the most talked about movie of 20 
19 is being released finally <laughs> and instead of critic quotes it has a bunch of like like news quotes about like grotesque and like violent movie not fit for our times yeah it's like the pull quote on it and uh i know we're fans of making blair's work some of it anyway uh he's got some like story credits he's in the film nice um ike baron holtz is in it emma roberts hillary swank sturgill simpson uh Playing Kid Rock, <laughs> which I'll like, yes, we'll see that for sure. Wow, yeah. yeah. Um, after that, I guess one of the weirdest sequels. I mean, we talked about it some on the podcast before, but A Quiet Place Two's a month out now. Wow, which is yeah, weird. Um, so you know that's the same cast as before, plus Cillian Murphy uh, is kind of the new lead. Um, and is it Jimon or Jimon? It's Jimon Hansu. Jimon Hansu. Uh, but he's in it as well. He, he plays a bad guy in everything. I feel like Hollywood has like except like Blood Diamond. Is he a good guy in Blood Diamond? He is. Yeah. I feel like Hollywood has like racistly cast him as the bad guy <laughs> because he's just, his skin is so dark. Yeah. <laughs> but every time I see him, he's always like a mercenary. It's like come he's on. even a mercenary in the like Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first live action Disney movie that I'm excited for is coming out after that. Uh, the only one that feels like it deserves a live action remake, but Mulan. Yeah, the trailer out. looks really good. The trailer looks gorgeous. The trailer makes it look like people who like the Disney movie are going to be super disappointed, and people like me who love like uh, like set in China kung fu epics are going to be like super pumped. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a good director too. Uh, Niki Caro did North Country. Um, yeah, so that's a good movie. Yeah, uh, I've got the New Mutants on this list only because the only film that the director uh, the director is Josh Boone directed the Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> Well, that movie has been through so many changes that I'm really interested to see what it is. Because I remember we talked about this on the... Might have even been the Looking Ahead at 2019 podcast from last year. Because they... I mean, they scrapped that whole movie and it went through an entire series of like reshoots and re-edits. The trailer now looks like a, watches like a horror film. I mean, it looks pretty cool. That was the original edit and then it went to producers and then they were like, you can't make a, a superhero movie that's a scary movie and then they changed it to be like a like endearing, like let's escape the prison kind of thing. Uh, and then they showed that and test audiences like fucking hated it. So and back the, to the original. And film. the director and screenwriter were like, well, yeah, we made a horror movie, and you made us edit it into not a horror movie. And they were like, okay. The town is a little fucked. So, yeah. like, I saw a trailer for this, like, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Long time coming. Yeah. Uh, no Time to Die is coming out in late, late February. That feels like a movie that has been talked about more than other Bond films. Yeah, I'm more excited for this one than the past couple ones yeah. since Skyfall. Uh, yeah. Ridiculously deep cast. Uh, yeah. Ana Darmus, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz. Rami Malek. Also Rami directed Malek. by Kerry uh, Fukunaga. Yeah. yeah. Love his stuff. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pumped I've to never seen the... Beast of Donation, but I've heard I've amazing seen it. things. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped to the intro song by Billie Eilish. I think yeah. that's going to be great. Perfect fit for that. So we're singing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bunch of dead people will scroll across the street. All they actors show, from Bond movies. All the henchmen <laughs> who died during the movie. <laughs> I felt so bad. I read a tweet from her about not to go back to the Oscars, but she was like, "Yeah, I butchered the fuck out of that performance." Yeah, but she was like, she had the like, she's been in bed now with the flu for like three or four days. I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, it was funny. People were like, she was flat, and it's like that's how she sings. Yeah, <laughs> that is how she sings. Um. I'm excited about this one only because we've had some good horror movies come out with uh, first-time directors, but Gerard Bush, who's done some stuff but never directed, never been at the helm, uh, his debut is coming out this year with Janelle Monáe, Jenna Malone, Gabrielle Sidibe, but Antebellum, 
I saw trailers for it a bit during the Oscar rush in theaters. Produced uh, by Jordan Peele, maybe? Yes. Okay. Um, it looks crazy. I don't know. I think Jenna Monet plays a, a successful author. Finds herself trapped in a nightmarish reality and must find a way to break free of the horrors at hand. But she's hmm. like gets stuck in a like back in time antebellum slave house. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It looks crazy. Um, uh, how much money is Black Widow gonna make? Is it gonna make more than the Bond film? I would assume so. I'm wondering if if there's going to be maybe it's maybe I'm just the only one feeling it, but I do wonder if there's any. Marvel fatigue after like Endgame because it was such a good final sort of yeah. And this is a prequel. It's like going set after Civil War. Yeah, yeah. And it's also I'm not gonna like raise the issue, but it's also a superhero movie helmed by a woman, which they never do as well. People just don't go out to see those. Yeah, Kate Shortland directing. Uh, She did Berlin Syndrome, which I saw, but I don't remember much about. Well, when this movie was announced, I was not very interested, and then they cast Florence Pugh, so I'll be there. And David Harbour. I mean, yeah, he's good too. Yeah, we're all card-carrying members of the Pugh crew. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This is one that I feel like would fly under most people's radar. I think David and I and Chris all saw Get Low, the Robert Duvall, Bill Murray movie. Aaron Schneider is the director of that. He's directing a uh, World War II. Uh, movie about a destroyer outrunning like wolf packs of U-boats, uh, and the captain is Tom Hanks, played by Tom Hanks. Huh. I guess he is, he the, is captain. the captain. <laughs> <laughs> he is the and captain. It's also all in one take. No I'm kidding. Oh God, I'll be like, I'm not watching it. Uh, man, I wrote so much detail in every movie, but on number twelve of my list is just Legally Blonde three. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming out. Uh, Anish Shiganti is uh, the guy who directed Searching. Okay. Which wasn't like an amazing film, but it was original. It was fun. Uh, He's directing one uh, called Run, starring Sarah Paulson. Uh, She, about a mother who keeps her daughter in isolation until like the age of 12 or 13. Okay. Um, That's our plan. (laughs) (laughs) The weirdest movie of the year so far to this point on my list, uh, Darren Lynn Bossman, who directed Saw 2 through 4, is directing Spiral. The Saw adjacent film starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> there was a trailer during the Super Bowl uh, for it, I think. Written by Chris Rock. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, he plays a detective who gets like caught up in Saw-like killings. But huh. Chris Rock, they were like, why are you doing this movie? And he's like, love Saw, always wanted to do one. Just like, okay. I, lo- I do like hearing about secret stuff like that. Not secret, but yeah. like... Just under the radar yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um... David Lowry, do y'all know that name? No. He uh, directed ghost story. Uh, yeah, a ghost story, Peach Dragon, <laughs> which got like amazing reviews that I never saw. Uh, the old man in the gun is doing the Green Knight. Oh right, right, right. Uh, is it Adam Driver in that? No, uh, Dev Patel plays Gowan, Dev Patel, that's and him, yeah. Joel Edgerton, who played Gowan in King Arthur, the uh, movie with Clavo, and yeah, yeah, um, plays the the Green Knight essentially. Nice. The the man who would turn into the Green Knight. Alicia Vikander is also in it, but it looks like a bonkers adaptation of the Goblin and the Green Knight. Yeah. Um, yeah there's there's, looks like there's a, lot a trailer of for it out now. Yeah. Uh, the Woman in the Window was like the huge book adaptation that's coming out this year. <laughs> Sequel shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Woman in the Window, uh, the big... Uh, 
novel that's getting adapted this year. I read the book. It was you huge. are shook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like a Paddington man. It's like flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I was just showed TJ a picture of the Paddington 3 poster. <laughs> so. <laughs> really railroad. <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast died. <laughs> Uh, Joe Wright's directing The Women in the Window, though. It's a murder mystery. Uh, kind of the, the book gave me vibes like uh, Girl on the Train, that kind of story. Yeah. Uh, and it's got Amy Adams and uh, reuniting Gary Oldman with Joe Wright. So Maybe it looks like it might be fun. Amy Adams can finally get her Oscar. Maybe. She needs one. She's getting up there. Me and Al were talking about her and Michelle Williams and Sarsha Ronan. I'll have like four or five nominations and mm-hmm. never really gotten close to winning. I think Amy Adams is six now, I think. I think she was at six. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Anthony Mackie, Brian Tyree Henry, Jennifer Jason Lee, Julianne Moore also all in that film. Cool. Um, F9's coming out this summer. Yes! Yeah. Watch that trailer. It is awesome. Is, uh, and Justin Lin, as like people see, is like the yep. one who makes the great ones, right? He He's the person who really turned this the, the franchise around. Directed three through six. I yeah. Think. Um, but it is really interesting. John Cena is playing Dominic Toretto's brother, who we haven't heard about yet, but we're going to hear about for the first time in this. He's a guy talking about family has never mentioned his brother before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Helen Mirren and Charlize Theron have they been in the franchise before? They have. Uh, uh, Charlize. Uh, Charlize was, uh, was Cipher, Cipher the bad guy from Seven, and okay. uh, Helen Mirren is Jason Statham's uh, character's uh, mother. Oh, she's cool. she's like the crime boss in the UK. Um, because Statham's brother was also a bad guy. He was the one with the ramp cars in the fifth one. Cool. And it's also Han Strikes Back, right? Yeah, yeah. Han, teasing some Han. Han. Not just teasing. He is back from the dead somehow. Um, fan, uh, fan favorite from... Uh, well, that is not unprecedented in this series, though, right? Uh, I mean, like, well, Paul La- Walker's not Letty? coming back. Wasn't she supposed to be dead and came back? Lottie? Letty? Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez's character, Letty. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yes, but like we've never had such a definitive like this character died in this movie in Fast Three, and then they even showed that like they were super killed by uh, Jason Statham <laughs> head body. Yeah, <laughs> super super There's one killed. more one more definitive death. Look hey, I made a Paul Walker joke a second ago, and no one like acknowledged it, so I'm not gonna let you have this. It one. took me a second. I don't get Paul Walker jokes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. You everyone knows Brian, right, from Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know his work from Pleasantville. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's got a couple of films uh, coming out this year that he directed. This Ooh. one gets <laughs> pretty much this one. Uh, what was the one with that was so bad from a couple of years ago? The Disney live action adaptation of the Oprah movie. Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> Minda Kaling. This is going played oh, the three witches. Wrinkle in time. Yes, that's what I'm getting from Kenneth Branagh's uh, uh, finally filming Artemis Fowl, which is a book I read when I was a kid. I feel like have they not tried to make that movie before? I think they've been that, trying for a long how's time. How's that not been a movie that's come out every year of my <laughs> life? <laughs> I was just waiting for Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Uh, but t- Judy Dench and Josh Gad in this one. Sounds like a, like a great time. Gadzooks. <laughs> uh, but that movie's not going to make any money because it's coming out the same weekend as Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> which looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. I love those yeah. trailers. Wonder Woman. Uh, and right after that, Nia DaCosta, who did Little Woods. Didn't you see that? Um, That's the Rooney Mara movie? No. Little Woods. Little Woods. Got super good reviews. But uh, sh- anyway, Nia DaCosta's directing Candyman. Cool. Hmm. Uh, produced by who's Jordan Peele as well. Who's leading that? I think I saw... Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who's like blowing up. He's in, yeah, he's yeah. in uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. 
and he was the bad guy in Aquaman, which yeah. is like the best DC movie <laughs> in existence. Somehow. Besides Wonder Woman, I guess. And apparently this Birds of Prey movie is uh, okay. And Tony Todd is back. Mm, I was wondering about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Judd Apatow's got another film coming out this year. It was the first one I'm interested in in a long time for Judd Apatow works. Uh, it's the Pete Davidson story, essentially, written by Apatow and Pete Davidson. Hmm. Starring Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei, and Maude Apatow, which was his oldest daughter. Yeah, she's been in stuff with yeah. his. Plays Pete Davidson's little sister. But it's cool. pretty much like him going through the shit after his dad died in 9-11. Um, so, cool. sounds interesting. That is the most salable quality of Pete Davidson, so it makes sense. Yeah. Now we're at that other Pixar movie. What is it? Soul. Oh. It's about... Uh, 1988 Summer Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Gardner, a middle school music teacher, has a long dreamed of performing jazz music on stage and finally gets a chance after impressing other jazz musicians during an opening act uh, at a club. Uh, however, an accident changes uh, everything and makes his soul get separated from his body. Uh, this is the one that's going to get nominated yes. for an Oscar. I feel like I've seen just a little bit of either images or the like a teaser, yeah. like some Inside Out vibes. Yeah. Like his it's, soul being split up and having to come back. starring Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, and it's uh, Pete Doctor is the director who mm-hmm. did Up, Inside Out, and Monsters, Inc. So yeah. that's that's the guy who makes the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so super excited about that. Uh, John Chu making a, a musical that'll make a ton of money, and the trailers look amazing. Uh, he's the guy who directed Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. He's directing In the Heights, though. Yeah, Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel. Manuel Miranda will finally get his egot. Those trailers look only if he writes an original song. That he's, he wrote four. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> he wrote four. Yeah, <laughs> they, awesome. they interviewed him on the red carpet and they were talking about uh, the songs this year. And they were like, "Oh yeah, and you've got In the Heights coming out. Like, like, can we expect any like new songs we haven't heard yet?" He's like, "I wrote four original songs for it, <laughs> <laughs> leaving one nomination for the rest of you." They give they max. Is it two? Is that the yeah, max? I think it's a limited two. Okay. It didn't used to be. It's like the Beauty and the Beast rule or Blind yeah. King rule or something. Lion King had three. Beauty and the Beast may have even had four. Okay. <laughs> uh, Top Gun Maverick's coming on after that. People have been talking about that movie since, like, I think the first episode we made a joke about we wish the drones were just like, <laughs> yeah. those little drones. So I think everybody knows that movie's coming out. Um, Free Guy is a movie I'm interested in. I don't know if it's going to be good or shitty. Brian Reynolds yeah. in like a Grand Theft Auto. Plays a plays an NPC in a Grand Theft Auto type game. He's just going to insult people who actually play video games. <laughs> Sean Levy's guy directed the Night Museum movies which are like... And Pixels. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe not. It Pixels. feels like he would have. <laughs> uh, I mean, he didn't do much else because the second movie I have listed is The Internship which means that was his second best movie in my opinion. <laughs> After all three Night at the Museums. Um, Taika Waititi's in that movie too though which is weird. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why he's in it. <laughs> but after that, are y'all more pumped for Ghostbusters than you were for the last Ghostbusters? Uh, how, are, how are y'all feeling about that as two mega Ghostbusters fans? Fine. Oh Yeah, I'll always give them a chance. I'm always into them. The uh, trailer seemed interesting. Yeah. Like, they have a good cast. I like Finn Wolfhard. Carrie King. Coon. Paul Rudd. Yeah. And uh, like a really good director. I mean, he's made some shit, but he's made some fantastic movies. It's yeah. his birthright. Yes, as it's a man, his birthright to make a Ghostbuster. It looks like they're 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 not trying to just like re like rejigger the old plot mechanic. It looks like they're they're at least taking it in an interesting direction. Yeah, with how people understand how to bust ghost. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, Tenet is coming out, a movie that we won't know much about until we see it. There's, there's a trailer out for it. Yeah. But it has time travel? A secret agent is tasked with preventing World War Three through time travel. That is all the studio has said. Yeah. But it's Christopher Nolan flick, I guess. I assume everybody listening would know that. But yeah. John David Washington. Robert Pattinson, Michael Caine, of course. And Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I put Jungle Cruise on the list. I assume it's about a Jungle Cruise. <laughs> is that a Disney movie based on the ride? It is. Starring, Starring Emily Blunt and The Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I said directed by Wes Anderson, <laughs> but that's the next movie. Uh, no, this is uh, Jean Collette Sarah. They directed The Shallows and House of Wax, so I don't predict much coming from Jungle Cruise. Man. Other than it'll make a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the French Dispatch is coming out, however. The most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie that we've ever seen a trailer Man. for. I thought Grand Budass, Budapest Hotel Grand, was the no, apotheosis of Buddha it. ass. <laughs> Grand Buddha ass. But then, but yeah, but this then, movie outdid it. Yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. Like but it. then you watch the guys who are invariably in the branch of the military just called Soldier, where they're just like... <laughs> When they start like a firefight, they just are all posed around the room very perfectly, like with their hands out with gu- two guns, and it's just super strange. But I'll watch it because it's Wes Anderson. Yeah, the cast list is just stupid. I'm not gonna read it all because there's 30 names that we all know. If they've been in a Wes Anderson movie, they're in this one. Plus Timothy Chalamet. Plus in it. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Timothy. <laughs> there's one. Uh. Uh, uh, the movie that I predict to get like 12 percent of Rotten Tomatoes coming out right after that, Morbius. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that movie's going to be so bad. Jared Leto movie? Yeah. yeah, and Matt Smith. He's a vampire. It's the guy who directed uh, Life, that horrible fucking space movie from a few years ago mm-hmm. with Ron Reynolds. It's, if you don't know about Morbius, the superhero, uh, his superhero power is he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Blade, where his superpower is he's a vampire and a human. Yeah. And he's really good at hating vampires. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because in the comic books and the cartoons, Morbius has a mouth on his hand that like talks, and I really hope they do that. <laughs> it's just like, all right, all right. No, it's, it's like a sock puppet. Just like no, but it'd be better if it was just a puppet. Yeah. I keep thinking South Park. I just want his hand to want taco flavored kisses. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music is finally coming out. I feel like we've been hearing about that forever. Yes, I will watch it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Dean Pariso is directing it. He's a guy who did Galaxy Quest and Fun with Dick and Jane. And Perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the King's Man <laughs> is coming out. When will they stop making these I movies? I don't fucking know. Although this one's weird, man. It's a guy who did Layer Cake and uh, Kick-Ass Yeah. the yeah. old X-Men movies. Yeah. Uh, Matthew a, Vaughn. It's, it's a prequel it's to King's Man. Kingsman also. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a. If you want that, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, skipping some of these. Last night Soho's coming out. It's probably the movie I'm most amped for. That's the Edgar Wright horror movie. Yes. Coming out this year. Thomas and McKenzie, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Matt Smith, Terrence Stamp, not playing Saw, but I love that <laughs> Edgar Wright was like, yeah, yeah, be in my movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I? I just want. Um, I think you. You probably skipped this one because it looked horrible, um, but uh, yeah. I think uh, they made a uh, live-action um, adaptation of Monster Hunter, the video game series. What? Really? Well, it's got Mila Jovovich, so I just assume it is indeed a, an adaptation of the video game. It, it is. I skipped it on purpose, yes. T.I. <laughs> is in it. Ron Perlman what? is in it. So, Why would they... That a game that is only popular in Japan. Why would they make that a movie? 
to make overseas money? I guess. Maybe it's got foreign production, but like, I don't know. Capcom does weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Alright, always. Back to movies that are the beginning. <laughs> Not necessarily. Just movies I know about. <laughs> I would have included that if I would have uh, known it would have been game. interesting. No, I knew it was video games. I read about it and I was like, nope, this movie looks like dog shit. <laughs> T.I. is second build. <laughs> yeah. uh, Trial of Chicago 7 is coming out this year. It's going to be Aaron Sorkin's uh, second, right? Film he's directed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a head start on your Oscar race, that will be nominated for Best Picture probably. At least screenplay, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, probably so. But a huge cast in that. Check it out. Uh, Bios is coming out. It's uh, Miguel Sapochnik uh, directing that. Uh, Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Jones are both in that movie. I like one of them. Uh, Tom Hanks plays the last man on Earth who builds robots. Well, I don't think he's the last one. <laughs> well, I think Caleb Jones plays a robot. That fits. <laughs> Uh, Venom 2 is <laughs> coming out this is another one of those why are they making it overseas money yeah it's probably got a foreign production company yeah you're right uh, Andy Serkis is directing this one so I don't know we'll see yeah his last movie did so well rumored Tom Holland integration as well the, yeah whatever uh, Death on the Nile is coming out it's a pretty much a straight up sequel to Murder on the Orient Express what did you say it was called Death, Death. on the Nile okay uh, it's a Kenneth Branagh as Perot in directing. Why do you keep saying Kenneth Branagh? Did he get bored? Apparently. <laughs> uh, the Witches is a new adaptation coming out. That's the Raw Doll book. You all seen that scene with Angelica Houston where she holds like the conference mm-hmm. with all the witches? Yeah. It's a remake of that movie, pretty much. Anne Hathaway playing that role. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, though. So, might be good. Might be Uncanny Valley. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, the Halloween sequel that I feel like nobody's talking about is coming out on Halloween this year. Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. The same director as before, Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. My notes on this are, uh, he's back, I'm assuming. (laughs) So, I guess that's what's happening there. Uh, Those She Wish Me Dead is a movie from a director that we all like a lot, uh, and a writer we all like a lot more, but it's Taylor Sheridan's next movie. Um, That's the guy who wrote Sicario and Hell or High Water and directed Wind River. Um, so there'll be a stressful ending to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it really fucks me up that there's that beer called Hell or High Watermelon, because I always want to call that movie Hell or High Watermelon. <laughs> uh, the Eternals is coming out this year. Uh, I feel like it's battling that other uh, comic book movie we talked about earlier with Maisie Williams. <laughs> oh, and it's yeah. going to be way better. Yeah, big cast and everyone's favorite from last year, The Rider. <laughs> that director is making a giant Marvel movie, of course. Yeah, Chloe Zell. Um, and this one's starring another Game of Thrones person, too. Richard Madden is top build in this one. And Kit Harington, the both thing. Yeah, both which is weird. It's, a, it's an interesting story because it's about like gods who are like omnipotent and that, how they like toy with humanity. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, plot you can get out of that that like anyone cares about. How does it relate to Rodeo? <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong dropping yes! after that. Chris is excited. Yeah. Adam Wingard directing. Uh, he did The Guest, which is a good movie. Guess and he also good. did Death Note, which is a bad movie. Not a good movie. Yeah. Um, but that's bringing everybody back that's been in the... Mothra, Rodan, yeah. King Ghidorah. Everybody. Yeah. Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I put this movie on here because I don't know much about it, but I like the cast a lot. Happiest Season 
uh, is directed by Clea Duvall, who does like rom-coms. Mm-hmm. But this is a lesbian couple played by Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. Um, and it's like one of them wants to propose at like family, like like Christmas dinner, and they shit goes wrong. <laughs> like, you can't make me laugh at this, you asshole. Uh, but it looked interesting. My mouth is starting to hurt. I'm skipping more and more now. Coming to America! To America! <laughs> it's coming out. I read the plot. The most 90s fucking sequel title, Coming to America. Yeah. Uh, I bet Chris and everybody, but mainly Chris, super excited that Dune is finally fucking coming out this year. It has like it has Hollywood's sexiest cast. Yeah, and Denis Villeneuve, who yeah. we all... Hollywood's sexiest name. <laughs> love. Uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story is dro- <laughs> dropping this year. I didn't know that was happening. I have like mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I don't know. Angela Elgort and uh, a, a new actress playing Maria Rachel Zegler. And Rita Moreno as old lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. Though. Well, it'll it'll get me in to watch West Side Story for the first time. Corey Stoll is in that. I bet he's the villain. He's that poor guy. No one ever reads like for him the police movies. guy who keeps saying, you kids. Yeah. Uh, your third Tom Hanks in the lead movie of 2020 coming out. He's reuniting with Paul Greengrass who did Captain Phillips uh, and they're doing a movie called News of the World where Tom Hanks plays a traveling newsreader in post-Civil War America. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Captain Phillips is great so I'll watch it. But, um, skip, skip, skip. Uh, all right, these are movies that like didn't have I've got three more and they didn't have official release dates. David Fincher coming out with a movie. Mank. Mank. One of my most excited movies this year. Uh, Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. It's a story about Herman Mankiewicz, who is the guy who uh, wrote Citizen Kane, essentially, and Orson Welles didn't want to give him credit, right? Uh, as a writer. So it but looks Fincher good. coming back to the screen is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that movie will get nominated for something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, next Goal Wins is a, a back-to-back years where Taika Waititi's making big productions. This is a Michael Fassbender movie about the American Samoa International soccer team. Uh, adapted from a documentary that was pretty well received. Cool. Uh, and Spike Lee's got another one coming out. Uh, the Five Bloods. D-A. The Five Bloods. Uh, it's about four African-American Vietnam veterans uh, returning to Vietnam, searching for fallen squad leader. Uh, top two build are Chabot Bozeman and Paul Walter Hauser. Nice. Which I'm super excited about. Cool. Um, there are some that I left off, but that's all the movies I had on my list. Apparently there's a Nosferatu remake starring uh, Doug Jones as Count Orlock. Okay. Coming out this year. He's the guy that you put in makeup to do creepy stuff. He can move good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I was just looking at the letterbox list. Um, I'm just seeing if... Uh, some of these are unofficial too, which is like, they could be... Right, I was pushed, doing... Like yeah, there's rumor of a PTA movie, movie coming out this year, but... We will only know that movie's coming out a week before it's out. When the IMDb finally replaces untitled PTA movie with <laughs> yeah. the actual title. Yeah. yeah. That'll be the weekend before. Alright, David. Do you want to hit us with some anticipated TV shows from yeah, 2020? Yeah, I'll kind of go quick through these... Um, and I'll go in order as much as I can. Um, first, this weekend, they say High Fidelity is pretty good. It's on Hulu, great Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, Zoe Kravitz um, is doing the press rounds for it. She's just on Hot Ones. Yeah. So and as all, of, all ten episodes at once, too. Yeah. So as of this podcast, you can check that out. Next one I got here is Hunters on Amazon. It's hunting Nazis. So excited In the Hunters. 70s. Al Pacino, you know, continuing his, uh, his role he's on. It's also got uh, Ted from How I Met Your Mother. A master of disguise. Yeah. In that, um, also Jordan Peele executive produced. 
Um, start the clock with all the Jordan Peele things, by the way. Yeah. We were getting uh, lots of trailers for that this Oscar season in theaters. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. It, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Quick shout out for, if you like The End of the Fucking World, new Netflix series, I'm Not Okay With This. It's another adaptation from that guy's graphic novel who oh, wrote cool. that. Um, for us, uh, who like the movie It, Sophia Lillis, who's the young um, Bev, Beverly, mm-hmm. um, she's in it. Um, dealing with... Uh, Grief of her father and her newfound superpowers. Cool. So, sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, a weird one, Dispatches from Elsewhere from AMC, is in March. Jason Siegel, if you're wondering where he's been, uh, he's been writing this sci-fi influence show for AMC. It's got Sally Field, Andre Benjamin, Richard E. Grant, a bunch of people in it. It's about, like, uh, all right. what is reality, like, for a tech company that does an immersive video game. I'm kind of on board. Yeah, that's, interested anyway. That's a really great thing to be opening against Apple TV's like kind of comedy about a development studio. Uh, I like that it's <laughs> yep. coming out. Speaking of development studios, there is Devs coming out for Hulu in March. This is the one where Nick Offerman's got the crazy beard. You've probably seen the previews. Big thing for here is Alex Garland's TV show after you know Ex Machina and Annihilation. Love that guy. Cool, fun. It's supposed to be very, uh, very out there. It's also got Sonoya Mizuna, who's the dancing uh, partner of Oscar Isaac and Ex Machina. Oh, she's nice. been in his in his other stuff and was in Maniac. That's cool. One of the uh, um, Tex. Tex, yeah. yeah. Uh, next one I got here also March HBO. This is uh, I'm excited. The Plot Against America, Philip Roth novel being adapted by David Simon. Uh, another oh, wow. David Simon work. Got John Turturro, Winona Ryder, who is also in a David Simon work. It was really good. Uh, Show Me a Hero. Um, and really interesting, it's an alternate history of what if uh, FDR lost to Charles Lindbergh for doing uh, the presidency in the 40s, and then America goes on an anti-Semitic thing. Hmm. So, huh. Weird. Sounds interesting. Uh, next one I got to highlight is Run, HBO in April. Um, it's got Merritt Weaver, who is uh, pretty fun again in Marriage Story there, and Donald Gleason, who is always fun in a bunch of stuff. But uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, exec producer, um, woman gets a text from an ex to fulfill a youthful pact. Uh, the big thing is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. You know, you kind of follow her. Yeah. And like Merritt Weaver. Yeah. Neat. Um, if you want uh, real-life stuff getting adapted, Mrs. America looks interesting. The FX on Hulu stuff, they're putting some of their original stuff directly on Hulu. But it's an FX production. Kate Blanchett is a conservative leader, and this is in the '70s, women's liberation movement. Rose Byrne is going to be Gloria Steinem. It's got <laughs> a bunch of people we love: Uzo Aduba, Melanie Linsky, uh, Sarah Paulson, who I feel is like in everything this year. Yeah. Margot Martindale of BoJack Horseman fame. Um, yeah, it looks interesting. A one that looks interesting that I have no idea what it's going to be is Quibi. You know that from the Super Bowl commercials? They have a show called Maple Maplewood Murders coming out. It's a it says it's a mobile formatted series about murders in a small town, but it's got a bunch of SNL people: Tina Fey, Fred Armisen. It's mobile oriented. I don't know if that's like five minute episodes or whatever. Weird. Quibby. Quibby. Don't, don't quibble with it. Um, <laughs> there's another AMC offering in in May. It's got Matthew McFadden from Succession. He's great in that. Um, C.N. Clif- Clifford, who's the sister in Fleabag, and uh, Michael Sheen. Um, it's about uh, a bunch of people who rig a game show, a British game show. It's called Quiz. If you like the Quiz Show, sounds like this is like an <laughs> English version of that. Up your alley. Yeah. There's some other stuff. Snowpiercer's coming out, uh, kind of execution dependent for TNT. Um, 
Also, execution highly dependent. Impeachment, American Crime Story, the Melanie Lins- <laughs> Linsky, the uh, Monica Lewinsky. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton thing from Ryan Murphy's company. Um, all of his other things have been pretty good. OJ was good. Uh, the Gianni Versace was, like, was really good. That was some of the best TV she'd ever seen, the Gianni Versace one. Yeah, this one, it just it seems interesting because uh, um, from a great movie last year, Booksmart, Beanie Feldstein is going to be Monica Lewinsky. Oh, fun. Clive yeah, Owen yeah. is Bill Clinton. And Sarah Paulson is Linda Tripp. Sarah Ooh. Paulson again. Um, might be interesting. At least really def- you're def- say, and John Goodman as Linda Tripp. <laughs> <laughs> and of course you got the Disney Plus offerings. <laughs> you got uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in August. and looks like WandaVision in December. If you're excited about those, you're probably already going to watch them. We got Lovecraft Country from. Jordan I'm not Field. excited, but I will watch them. Yeah, that's where I'm. I'm excited, but I will not watch them. Does not have a date yet, but Lovecraft Country for HBO. It's uh, uh, got Jonathan Majors, who's from Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. We talked about him, um, and Courtney B. Vance is in it, and Michael K. Williams. You know, they go through Jim Crow America and uncover monsters, both literal and figurative. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, and it's the big one, another one of the big produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams shows. Mm, nice. Um, and uh, of course, you're gonna love this. Why the Last Man is finally coming out. Oh, sweet, nice. awesome. Uh, for FX and um, great place for it. Yeah, we d- we didn't watch it, but the movie Queen and Slim got a lot of critical praise. Melina Matsukas directs the pilot and a couple of the shows. Got Diane Lane, uh, Amber Tamblin, but uh, I think the main guy is going to be Barry Keoghan. He's from Dunkirk. He was a, one of the guys on the boat. Just young British kid. Okay. Yeah, so, real fun story. Yeah. Uh, also doesn't have a date yet. Also Ryan Murphy. Also Sarah Paulson. Is, uh, Kenneth Branagh and Sarah Paulson. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> is uh, Ratchet. About Nurse Ratchet from One Flew of the Cuckoo's oh, yeah. Nest. Yeah. Where oh, Sarah weird. Paulson's going to be Nurse Ratchet. Man, that's... Uh... It's her rise to power. It starts in the 40s. And... I don't know how much we need it, but it c- it's execution dependent, right? Yeah. yeah. Great character, great thing. Great yeah, I mean, it's uh, like a top 20 villain of all time. Yeah, it's going to be a TV show with no one to root for. Yeah. I'm interested about this one, Space Force for Netflix. Oh my god, I'm so pumped. Yeah. Steve Carell, right? Steve Carell, uh, and yeah. Greg Daniels is running it, who ran The Office. Space Force! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's what what would a sixth branch of the military, the Space Force, do? <laughs> Steve Carell and Greg Daniels teaming up again. That yeah, I'm down for any of it, anything with that duo. <laughs> um, so what I'm not talking about here is things we already, like seasons of things we know are already coming back, or else I would have Fargo, number one, that is coming back. Stranger Things 4 is this year, right? Yeah, yeah. trailer just dropped for that but a next season of what they consider an anthology is Haunting of Hill House Mike Flanagan's thing it's coming again and it's doing Taming uh, the Turn of the sh- the Turn of the Screw the Taming James. of the Screw I know <laughs> it's so close to each other so it's it's essentially another iteration of Haunting and Hill House another story I think some similar actors some of the same actors doing different roles yeah I think, I think I'm with Screw Tape Letters I was like I think I have that book yeah and then last but not least for you uh, Stephen King buddies The Stand CBS All Access. Alexander Skarsgård is going to be Randall Flagg. And uh, yeah, this description is, uh, nothing is more unadaptable than this, and they're doing it for CBS All Access. It's uh, going to be 10-hour episodes, though. 10 one-hour episodes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> 10 <hour episodes. laughs> No! But only one per week. Yeah. So, 10 only hours per day, so per you're week. good. Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff I skipped, but that's kind of the things that uh, were interesting to me. Um... Yeah. Cool. cool. TV. <laughs> My turn. There's games coming out this year, too. 
We voted and on it. Mexico, Panama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, I'm going to go through. Um, I uh, <laughs> inexplicably organized my list in alphabetical order. <laughs> so it's clutch. Not helpful at like all. High fidelity did it. I did it by video game tone. I chronologically did it, so, but not. Oh, sorry. Autobiographically ordered it. That's it. Yeah. The way that I experienced these. Chronologically by saying the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> well, since A is the first letter, uh, no. So, uh, first game that I want to talk about, it seems really neat. We've gotten a bunch of demos for it, but it's called 12 Minutes. It's an Annapurna uh, made by the solo guy, Luis Antonio. It's You're stuck in the loop of you, of you play as a guy who comes home from work get into an argument with your wife and then the police bust in and like shoot you uh, and your wife and then like the the story ends but then like Groundhog Day style you get like a second chance at it and you just repeat that loop over and over trying to get like better at beating it um, <laughs> like keeping the knowledge you gain from every like, sub- subsequent run through it uh, but it seems really interesting. It's the uh, sounds fun. It's like um, most of the way I play video games is I just keep dying. <laughs> it's like oh, don't yeah, do that next time. It's like the first level of a hard game. Yeah. Um, another what? one I, I put on here I put on here just because it's a hilarious title it's called An Airport for Aliens currently run by dogs also known as <laughs> also known as Dog Airport Game I love that like Untitled Goose Game was such a phenomenon yeah um, it's you know it's just a bizarre uh, game where you are running an airport um, it's like a puzzle game but I just wanted to say the title uh, Animal Crossing is coming out uh, pretty soon actually like in the next couple months the new one coming out on Switch, like uh, highly anticipated game. Um, it's Animal Crossing. If you know what Animal Crossing is, you'll buy this game if you like it. Uh, if not, then it's probably not your speed. Um, it's takes like all of the farming elements out of like a uh, Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley, and it's just about like getting bells and uh, you know breaking the yoke of Tom Nook and his deceitful <laughs> lending practices. Um, <laughs> Uh, another game that's coming out I'm skipping a lot uh, that I'm excited about is a game called Carrion uh, it's a Metroidvania game where you play like a uh, a creature that has escaped from a lab and as you like devour people you get like stronger and your abilities grow looks cool and you're like this you basically play as this like sludge ball that's like crawling around with like these huge tentacles that you just like pull things in I feel like it's the gritty version of Kirby <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of I want the chair to look cool yeah it's a it's a really neat looking game. I love a Metroidvania too. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, and it's like it's like super high fidelity pixel art, um, so it looks really beautiful. Um, Crusader Kings three. Uh, if you're a fan of Crusader Kings two, like the meme about that game is that like you can marry your kids, um, but it's it's all just like a. Uh, well, it's it's it's. I mean, I played <laughs> Virtual Villagers. It's all that game is. Yeah, it's it's like a uh, it's a like a sim where you are. You run basically a dynasty of leaders for a you marry real... off your kids. You don't marry your no children. no no. You can marry your children. Oh man! And like pr- produce. <laughs> oh shoot! And you can like produce heirs. But it's a, a lot of it is comes from the a lot of the fun in that game comes from just the way that like situations are just like so wildly random. So like you can have advisors who stab you in the back, whatever. But it's it's just like a, a dynasty building sim. Okay. Um, yeah, but the sequel that's coming out, I think Crusader Kings 2 came out like maybe a decade it's ago. It's not exclusively an incest simulator. No. Good. No, I've got a website for that if you want that. <laughs> um, You've been talking about this next one for 
Yeah, the new Cyberpunk game's coming out. Um, probably. Probably. Yeah, the, the release date that I have listed on here is not the real release date. It got pushed back uh, to September. Um, CD Projekt Red uh, has a pretty good track record of when they say we're delaying a game, it means they're delaying it for good cause. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it looks it looks wild. This is the one with the year in the, the title? Yeah, Cyberpunk 2077. 2077. Um, and, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, that's what it is. It is a futuristic cyberpunk game. You play, like, a mercenary. You can install, like, cybernetic upgrades on your body, and it's a first-person game, and it's, it's going to be rad. Even if it's not, like, a good game, it's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is a big uh, uh, Talkie Talk favorite of our, uh, our respective partners. Um, the Dark Pictures Anthology. Um, the people who made Until Dawn changed, basically, yeah. their strategy and how they're releasing games. And so they released Man of Medan and said that it was the first standalone story in their Dark Pictures Anthology. Um, and so then the next one called Little Hope is coming out this year. Cool. Um, I think they're shooting to get like two of them out per year. Um, but it's it's the same gameplay loop where um, you have characters that play through a narrative story and your mm-hmm. decisions influence like how the story plays out. I really like that studio. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Super massive games. Uh, it's 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 neat. Um, Fun. This one looks like it's going to be a little scarier than the last one. Oh, cool. Um, Scary. Yeah, uh, Doom Eternal's coming out. I'm really pumped about this game. It's coming out in March. Um, the developer has been really uh, upfront about kind of the more like game mechanicy things that are in it. Um, like there's platforming now, and there's uh, a, a separate system, but it's still like a uh, like adrenaline like fueled rampage through hell the story basically that hell you your dad excited <laughs> <laughs> you are still the uh uh the the doom the what the fuck do they call him the protagonist doom? from mandy yeah <laughs> you are still a doom guy slayer. uh the, the doom slayer and you are uh piloting a uh baroque castle spaceship <laughs> that is orbiting earth Perfect. because earth has become Hellified, oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, and you have to hunt down the three hell priests. Um, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, but it looks crazy. It looks uh, wild. Uh, you now have a shoulder-mounted flamethrower. Uh, so the sorely missing. Yeah. <laughs> in the previous game. So the combat loop before was if you do uh, melee kills, you get ammo, and then if you do mm-hmm. kills with a chainsaw, you get health. So then they've added in uh, armor. That you get from using the flamethrower. So the whole game is just meant for you to like do damage from afar, then get up close and like make one of those choices and how you wanna like execute the hmm. enemy, and then you get that resource, and then you back off and you just like so it keeps forcing you into the fight, like into like harrowed corners, uh, and then like backing away because you need to. I don't know. They neat. They they really seem to know what they're doing with this. Um, and I've seen some gameplay demos from uh, like preview act, previews of it, and it looks really good. Awesome. Uh, skipping around because we don't care about a lot of these things. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake's coming out. Um, did, did someone add a subtitle to this? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what does it say? It says Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
colon the only game that matters. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, um, we've we've talked. A lot never about heard this. of this game. It was me. <laughs> Pretty excited about it. Yeah, uh, they've got a. Uh, my big question is when, where they're going to break this off because they say it only takes place in Midgar, but I've been listening to No Cat podcast, and the first disc doesn't end till like way later. Yeah, and they're introducing side quests and stuff like you could. Yeah. While you're in. While you're in Midgar, you can you know get lost in doing a bunch of fetch quests and things. So, yeah, I wonder if they're going to go to more sectors than just five and seven. But it'll be really interesting. They, they Any chance this is the actual final fantasy? No. Okay. This is actually going to be the first Final Fantasy VII remake game that comes out. There are more planned and coming. First fantasy. Got it. So this Bad is going, so this is going to be Final Fantasy VII remake one. Because there will be a Final Fantasy VII Remake 2 and probably 3. There's already a Final Fantasy VIII, like 10, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Lionel Hutz, when he, when he calls uh, all-you-can-eat shrimp the greatest lie ever told since <laughs> since the, the never-ending story part 2. <laughs> uh, moving along, uh, Ghost of Tsushima is apparently coming out sometime this year. I don't know about that. That's normal. The guy played that cool flute. Um, <laughs> dope. Uh, Half Life. There's a new game coming out in the Half Life uh, series, which is really surprising to people uh, since Half Life. Yeah, three Half Lives. <laughs> How many Half Lives are there now? Uh, very interesting question. Because <laughs> um, there was Half Life, then there was Half Life Two Chapter One, then Half Life Two Chapter Two. And then Chapter 3 never came out, even though people wanted it. And then people were uh, wondering when Half-Life 3 was coming out, and there was like it became a meme that was like vaporware. Because like, no, it, it was never it was never going to make it. And everyone just kept like asking for, like, hey, Steam, when is it coming out? Like, what, what's the deal with Half-Life 3? And they would just keep saying, like, it's coming. But then there's also that, what is that other game that was a, a mod of Half-Life 2 that became its own game? Portal? Um, no, I'm thinking of something else. It was just like a... Team sh- Fortress? Team Fortress. That yeah. then got released by the Half-Life people. Yeah. It was like Half-Life, Team Fortress or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was... So that's a really complicated question yes. you asked, DJ. <laughs> um, well, good. They also are responsible for releasing the game engine that now everything is made out of. The Source engine is like, you're either using Unreal... You're using Unity or you're using Source. And they made Source. And so it came out. That's what they made Half-Life in. Sounds so, like some Matrix shit. Yeah. Um, but so Half-Life Alex is a VR game coming Everyone out. Everyone uses Source. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's coming out from uh, uh, Valve. Uh, it's a VR game. Um, and it's basically, it seems like it's picking up where Half-Life 2, Chapter 2 left off. Um, but you're playing as the, uh, you're not playing as Gordon Freeman, you're playing as Alex. Don't skip Halo Infinite, only because I was reading this, uh, just now, and I was like, takes place after Master Chef. <laughs> I don't know anything about video games. <laughs> oh, it's Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, Pat Mahomes was the Master Chief. <laughs> so, this is only on the list because Halo Infinite is coming out. Not sure when, but it's probably coming out in the next-gen console. Sounds like it's going to keep coming out forever. Yeah. Halo Infinite. Yeah. Man, I should have... they're honest. <laughs> uh, something I'm really excited about is a Kerbal Space Program is getting a sequel. It's coming out this year. 
Um, I don't really know how you do a sequel to a game that it's like an immersive, like, rocketry sim. <laughs> um, but they're doing it. Uh, the trailer came out in August, and it looks like more of the same. Um, but Kerbal Space Program is great. I uh, spent a lot of time playing that. Yeah, I love uh, to watch you launch those little Kerbals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brent's probably excited about this one. Uh, Last of Us Part Two is probably coming out in May. Um, again, unlike <laughs> unlike movies, I feel like games get delayed. They get release dates announced and set in stone and then get pushed back. Um, there's like really no equation for why these release dates are the way they are. They get pushed back to make them more awesome, typically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Blast was Part 2. Um, I don't know. There's nothing really to say about it. You'll play it. It's going to be good. It's, it's going to be, be a good. good story. We don't really know anything about the gameplay, but it's probably going to be a lot like the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Polygon article I got a lot of these from uh, listed Breath of the Wild 2. They're claiming that the, they're, they're saying that they think that it's coming out this uh, that year. Seems doubtful. I highly doubt that. Um, if, if it does come out this year, it'll probably be my game of the year. Um, Breath of the Wild was so fucking fantastic. Um, seems quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, the story talks about how, like, uh, supposedly Nintendo had planned to release, like, a massive DLC. And then when they realized how much game it was going to be, they decided to spin it off into its own title. Um, so there's not a lot of, like, background programming developing they have to do. Okay. Um, that's why they're the Polygon writer is so confident that it will come out this year. But I still just don't see that happening. Yeah. But then again, I don't know what Nintendo's big releases this year. So it might fill a slot that, that Nintendo needs, other than, I guess, Animal Crossing, but that's still, like, Q2, so they've got nothing for the holiday season. Um, next up, uh, probably what is going to be the most hilarious failure is going to be Marvel's Avengers. Um, if you want to talk about Uncanny Valley, you should take a look at these people, these people who look like imposters. Because um, it's the whole Avengers that you know, all of them are there, but... All of them are designed to look kind of like their counterparts in the movies. But legally different. But, <laughs> but not like the actors? No, yeah. Right. They, they look lo- kind of like them, but not enough like them. It's pretty terrifying. And everyone who's played the game, it's Crystal Dynamics, so you know they really do have uh, an ability to make great games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to shit. Yeah, if you're listening to this, look it up. It is, it is yeah. strange. They do um, the Tomb Raider games. Those yeah. games have great gameplay. Weird. Yeah, um, but everyone who's played it is like really concerned. the 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 actual gameplay loop seems really, really shallow. Um, but so we'll wait for that to fail. Uh, next, uh, this is on here. Uh, Microsoft is making a new flight sim game. Yeah, I, used I was reading about this. Shit out of flight simulator when I was a kid. This looks nuts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is exactly what. It's as featureful as you want it to be. You can sit in a 747 with all of the knobs and bells and whistles that you actually need. I mean, they used the first game to like teach pilots how to fly. Yeah, um, I'm playing that on like Windows 3.1. Dogs are dog, excited. Dogs, about dogs, dogs love simulator. flight simulator. Um, other than that, uh, No More Heroes 3 is coming out. Uh, this is. I mean, Travis Touchdown is the protagonist. Uh, is like super gory. Um, it's just a fun action game. Uh, a title that David and I know are looking forward to is Ori and Will of the Wisps is finally coming out this year. Ori in the Blind Forest. Yep. Um, Persona Five is getting like a uh, PlayStation Four release with a new character. 
if that's your thing happen until Persona Six is a bunch of new side yeah releases are going to happen. Yeah, who knows what the fuck Atlas is doing with their studio? The whole idea of remaking of video games just intrigues the ever living shit out of me. You're down at Resident Evil Three. Yeah, I was just so. I mean, Final Fantasy Seven too. I was just like, yeah, so it just blows my mind. I'm, I'm super interested in it's, it. It's the star is born of video games. <laughs> um, Resident Evil Three. It's funny because Resident Evil Two remake was was on a lot of lists as the best of the year last year. It's really fucking good. Yeah. Well, those games were like critically acclaimed before, right? Right. Is that, those are the only ones that get remakes, I'm assuming? Yes. Uh, you would hope so. <laughs> the uh, Superman 64 remake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, Resident Evil 3 remake, it's... it's Well, it's actually kind of interesting, because Resident Evil 3 was never a fan favorite. Oh, really? Um, it, two is the one that I watched, like, my brothers play a lot. Yeah. Two two is the one that is, like, the critically acclaimed, like, innovative uh, like, update to the Resident Evil, like, story and mechanics. And then three was just, like, a hackneyed version of two. It's got another version of two. And then four is when they changed it up a whole bunch and got a bunch more acclaim. To be more three of, like, kind an of, action game. Yeah, three kind of fits weirdly in between those. It's yeah. still a fun game. I'd be I'd love to play a remake of it. Yeah. And when they remake games, they like it's completely remade. So it's like kind of loosely the same story, but that's about the only similarity. Okay. Um but like the gameplay, everything else is like, you know, it, they're just taking a, another shot at it. Cool. Um and then uh Skatebird I think is a hilarious game that's on here. Uh it's 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 funny because skateboarding games do so well but the companies that made skateboarding games are not making them anymore and they have said they're not making them anymore huh. uh, so like the skate franchise <coughs> and the Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise like the last uh, THPS did so poorly and was apparently like such a fucking programming mess uh, and the um, uh, this yeah, the guys who made Skate are just, like, not doing it. So when a, when a game comes out that's like, you're going to play as a pigeon. Who skateboards? Everyone just loses their fucking mind. Nice. <laughs> They're um, like, yeah, skateboard games. Yeah, but it looks really neat. Uh, Spelunky's getting a sequel, uh, which is good. Um, it's kind of a dungeon crawler um, made by, like, one guy. Um, really kind of intricate, like, progression mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of secrets that people are still, like, discovering about a game that came out in, like, 2011. It's a really um, fun, punishingly hard game. Yeah. A lot of those little indie ones are, man, especially the ones with like no like big development. Yeah. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. And then the last one I want to talk about is uh, 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 Ubisoft's uh, Watch Dogs is getting a sequel. It's coming out this year. Um, you know, probably this year. Uh, <laughs> not really sure. It's, There's always a lot more up in the air with video games. Yeah. It's, <coughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's, It takes place in, like, the UK, and so there's lots of um, interesting shit going on there. Uh, Commentary on Brexit. They always seem to, like, kind of target, like, politics adjacent with their uh, (laughs) games and their messages in the Watch Dogs series. Um, But the neat thing about this is is everyone is a playable character. Um, I know that the E3 demo, they had you playing as, like, an old woman... Who like becomes like your demolitions expert uh, for your organization, um, but it, it'll be it'll be interesting at the very least. Um, it could be a completely broken game, but it'll be fun to see. Cool. One, one you skip that just it was supposed to come out last year. It looks great, and it's got a this thing soundtrack soundtrack by Japanese Breakfast is Sable. 
like the desolate thing with like the comic book style art. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. Hopefully nice. it does come out this year. Yeah. But those are the games I'm excited about. And hey. also, this is also the year of the PlayStation 5. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And the Xbox. Xbox. Stupid name. Xbox <laughs> Sex is definitely coming out. <laughs> Xbox Sex. Xbox Sex. The Xbox Series X. It sounds like something that, like Wakanda Army is. <laughs> doing it on purpose now. The like Xbox Sad and the X Bone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. X Bone. <laughs> um, there's and there's you know the the Switch Lite came out the one that you can't dock that is permanently handheld. Um, there's rumors that they're like the Switch Pro is going to come out this year, but there's nothing really concrete about that yet. What's the the price for the permanent handheld one, the Lite? Uh, probably one ninety nine if I had to guess. Nice. Um, with with full Switch models at two ninety nine still. Nintendo's really bad about discounting their hardware. Yeah. Um, they pretty much like maintain price throughout their whole lifespan. Right. Um, maybe getting like a fifty dollar dock near the end, but fifty dollar price reduction. I right. can't say dock with the Switch because there's an actual dock. <laughs> um, but and I think that the new consoles are going to come out at five ninety nine. Xbox might have a uh, a cheaper <clears throat> model at four ninety nine, but I'm thinking it's going to be six hundred bucks for those. The early word is that PlayStation like the cost of it is four hundred fifty dollars just to Sony. Yeah, so they're gonna have it's gonna be at least five hundred. Yeah, traditionally uh, hardware manufacturers would like take a bath with their uh, sales, and they would it, they they like. Musicians, you don't make money selling CDs. You make money on merchandise. They never intended. They, they never intend to make money on the sale of their consoles. They make it on the software. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they price it around four fifty or if it's going to hit that five hundred mark. Yeah, I'm also interested to follow the rumors on the PlayStation Two or the PlayStation as well because uh, <laughs> uh, this is the one that's not difficultly named. Right. The uh, <laughs> the PS Five is. Um, I think Ubisoft has said that they are expecting PS5 and also the new Xbox to be backwards compatible to the last generation, yeah. like almost fully. Um, and there are also rumors that Sony is trying to figure out how to make their machine fully backwards compatible. Which is insane. All the way back to... Like a PlayStation Black Disc? Yeah. PlayStation 1 game. Yeah, like a, like a blue PlayStation 2 disc that you fucking slide that thing. Like, I, I get it. People want their backwards compatibility, but like, really... Like, who still has those fucking discs kicking around that you can't get those games? Yeah, I mean, I see them at Goodwill. Yeah, I, yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Goodwill video game sales are going to spike so much if that happens. I, um, I've still got the last NCAA college football game from, God, six, seven years ago. And I, bet, I would love to play on a PS5. Yeah, and I bet there are tons of other people with nostalgic colored glasses on. But yeah. it's just, you know, these games get, like... <laughs> Released digitally, like in f like with full compatibility, like programmed in. Yeah. So like the idea that you're going to be able to slip a PlayStation One disc in, I think, is a pipe dream. Yeah. The. Uh, <clears throat> I forgot what I was going to say. Oh no! I was good. Yeah, like life's one, meaningless one, now. <laughs> one good, one good, one good thing is I, I feel like PlayStations like PlayStations are often like. Um, Entry points for uh, technology that I would not otherwise get, and I think the PS5 being a ultra HD DVD player is something that might interest me too. Because yeah. I don't think I would buy one on its own, 
But now that I have a 4K TV, you know, it's something that at yeah. least... Again, though, I mean, fuck, man, DVDs are almost like what he's talking about with old disc. Like, yeah, I don't know when the last time I fucking watched a DVD on my Right, TV I would was. just, like, keep an eye out like, at, like, Goodwill. Unless your internet is down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, time to dust it off. Well, yeah. it's funny, because even with the PlayStation yeah. 4, you can't... If you haven't put a DVD into the machine yet, you can't play a DVD if your internet's down. Because it has to, like, ping the server for the first time you turn it on. So it was... So does Ultra HD DVD do anything with old DVDs? I don't think so. I, I That's mean, what I'm they, saying, though. You have to upscales. go rent one or buy one, like, yeah. to get the full effect, though. Yeah. It probably upscales it the way that, like, your 4K TV... It would ups- look slightly better. Upscales yeah, slightly. the 1080p no, stream lot, from Comcast. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we use our PlayStation 4 as our, like, media center, um, despite the fact that our television can, like, open the YouTube app and Netflix and Hulu and Disney+. Plus. We still use the PS4 for it because the interface and the controls are just so much better than using a TV remote. Yeah, I use the net. I use Netflix on the the our cable provider only because it's all voice controlled. Right, does not do anything. I've got like two Blu-rays. <laughs> I think after I had a Blu-ray player that I haven't used since like 2015. Yeah, and your Blu-rays are, I think the one's 10, 30 seconds or thirty minutes or less. Yeah. No, and the other one is vigilant. Podcast fans will know that your only one of your only Blu-rays is thirty seconds or less because we've talked about it a lot. Space Cowboys. It might be the only Blu-ray I own, actually. And you got a sh- you got a short one in the middle there on the second shelf, next to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, that's just oh yeah, Rango. <laughs> Rango oh, in thirty minutes gosh. or less. Yeah. Given to me by Cassandra's uh, adopted parents. Thank you for the Christmas presents that came with the Blu-ray player. You got me. But anyway, that's what I'm looking forward to in games. Also, E3 is going to be a shit show this year, and I can't wait. Fun. Everyone's pulling out. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be yeah, that'll be interesting. E3 is just like nothing. Yeah. I mean, to the point where people it's are just like, like people playing Parcheesi. Yeah. I'm change it to E2. <laughs> e. Tell me yeah. <laughs> Anyway, someone else in the outro. I'm tired of talking. Brent, you do it. Thanks for listening. You know what to do. Thank you to the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. Yeah. Thank you to Boo Reefa. Boo uh, Do the Facebook groups. You know where to find us. Email. Tweet. Tweet. Website. Website. Even if you listen to the, last the podcast. Of us, the media If you listen to the podcast on the website, still subscribe to it and give us a review. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know 